Everybody. Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's been going good, going good. Uh, not been doing too much. Uh, did buy a barbecue, though. Ooh, do tell. Yeah, I realized that I wasn't going to be cooking that much, so I opted to go for a charcoal grill. Because I didn't want to bother storing a propane tank that I'm going to use maybe 10 times a summer. It's just not worth it. That's still quite a bit, though, to be honest with you, man. If you, use, if you use a propane really? tank 10 times... Yeah, it is. Yeah, if you... If Especially you... if you want to get a good car- barbecue, you're forking over 600 plus. Then you have to properly store a propane tank, fill a propane tank, all that other stuff. So it, it gets really pricey really quickly. And if I'm not barbecuing that much... I'm not going to throw that money at that, and I can get a good quality charcoal grill for like 250. Okay, okay, yeah, I know here at home, like we have a propane one, so obviously I can't really talk too much about the charcoal one. I will say one comment though. I hope you know you're letting Hank Hill down. Hey, he he was tempted by the dark side too. Yeah, but he ultimately went with the propane burger in the end of the episode. <laughs> I still love how Peggy and Bobby are trying to hide the fact that he used a charcoal grill. Yeah, he's just like, what if nobody has told Dad how much charcoal is? Well, nobody will. Now throw your clothes in the dryer washer and put some fish sticks in there. Your dad's gonna nose like a Doverman. Such a good episode. It is such a good, and apparently they're bringing it back too. I was reading something about that. Nothing's been official. I heard I read this back in March that apparently they were. Yeah, they were looking into bringing it back, and nothing's come of it. But I'm really surprised, like, it's... Because it's a Fox property, Fox is owned by Disney. I'm surprised it's not on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that is really weird. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't get, uh, like, Judge to agree with it if he still holds some rights? I think so, yeah, because he was the... He was, like, he was a voice actor and and basically the producer right till the end. Yeah. Even if he didn't write most of the... I think there was a number of seasons he didn't write, but I think he was a producer and he was a voice actor, obviously, so... But that's for another episode. Exactly. So, Tim, we've got a great episode to talk about today because today's episode, we're going to be looking at the 2021 Ottawa Senators draft class. Now, this is a draft that, judging from the reaction on Twitter... Not exactly very positive, and we will give our thoughts on the picks. But since we've last recorded, there has been some development in the NHL. And obviously, when we last talked, we did the Seattle expansion draft. Clearly, the Seattle Kraken did not listen to our picks because there's a lot of picture of this. Like, who who is this person? Why did they well, pick what's him? Really interesting about that is. Everyone was expecting Seattle to have made side trades when you're seeing some of the picks, especially uh, from Philadelphia. But then no side picks came. Sorry, no side trades came. Yeah, that's just really weird. And they got a lot of cap space, too, to work with. Which, you know, hey, man, look, if they're going to go after... Maybe they'll go after a big free agent, you know, because there's some free agents hitting the market. Maybe they go after one, give the Seattle Kraken some name recognition. Because when you look at that roster... Who really is the big name on that team? Like, really, when I look at that team and I'm just like, okay, I I know who Jordan Everly is. That's an obvious one. Adam Larson, I know who that is. Hey, Mark Giordano. But other than that, they really don't have really any marketable, recognized players. Now, maybe that's what Ron Francis is going for in Seattle, where kind of the way he went with in Carolina, where they didn't really have anybody. They went defense heavy in the draft. They didn't really have that marquee guy to build around. And maybe that's kind of his approach in Seattle with the Kraken. Well, there's a lot to be said about what Seattle actually did. Uh, First and foremost, 
it really is a Dave Axtell team where you have uh, defensively responsible forwards plus defensemen who can rip it from the point. Vince Dunn can rip it from the point. Giordano can rip it from the point. And uh, why am I blanking on the other guy? One of the big ones they took, uh, he could also rip it from the point. So that's, you can tell what they were going for. You can kind of tell what they were going for. On top of that, why is my brain? My brain is not working right now. <laughs> that's not good. No. Uh, yeah, but on top of that, it's a risky strategy that they're going for because it looks like, yeah, they're aiming for free agency because it doesn't look like they're explicitly trying to fit, weaponize all that cap space they have because, as we'll probably talk about, Arizona did a fantastic job of doing exactly that. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. And, you know, you look at some of the names that ended up leaving. Obviously, Oliver ackman Larson left. Connor Garland left, but they also brought in Shane Gossesphere from Philadelphia, and that one kind of came as a bit of a surprise because there were some teams that were linked with Gossesphere, and I don't know. I just didn't really see Arizona being the team in the mix, to be honest with you. Well, I think uh, you can talk about all these trades in more detail because there's a lot of interesting ones, but uh, with Gossesphere, his play had slipped in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and part of that is due to the change in play style with L.A. Vigneault coming in. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gospier has a bit of bounce back, but his play had slipped so much that in a flat cap world, 4.5 for Shane Gospier was an albatross. Yeah, that, so, that, that's a tough contract too, right? Especially for a guy whose Philly had to pay game is very offensively minded. So, Like the trade is Shane Gospier, Philly's second next in 2022 and seven in 2022. For a bag of pucks. I know. I honestly hope that the bag itself was a, you know, a really nice bag that they got for him anyway. Yeah. But what's interesting is, you're right, Seattle has this insane amount of cap room. And, yeah, sorry, $30 million, and they aren't making these sort of weaponized trades. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting to see what they'll actually be doing with that. It is true. Now, going back to Philadelphia for a second, and while we did just talk about Shane Gossester being traded to Arizona, the big trade coming out of Philadelphia also involved the Buffalo Sabres. Because the Philadelphia Flyers sent to the Buffalo Sabres a first and second round draft pick and defenseman Robert Hag for Rasmus Rustalainen. Now, this one is kind of a big... This was a big fleecing by Buffalo. Not just Holy be- shit. because, number one... Risto Rusalainen is not worth a first. Everybody on Twitter, all the analytics guys, and I know you would know firsthand, all the analytics guys are just like, what? What did they just trade them for? Well, what's insane is, as you mentioned, they had to pay to get rid of Shankos' gear, and then they bring in... I think the best way to describe him at is European... Eric Branson, and they paid a first to be fair Robert Hag isn't very good but no. the picks that they paid to essentially get a fringe top four, top four top five guy Jesus Christ uh, as much as Buffalo was kind of over the barrel in what they got for Taylor Hall they kind of made it back here they did However, I feel that even though they completely fleeced Philadelphia in this trade, the next trade Buffalo also made, this is one that I, I honestly looked at this trade and I said, okay, if there was going to be a player on the Buffalo Sabres who was worth a first and possibly second, it was going to be Sam Reinhardt. And he went to Florida. And he didn't even get that. Like the return that Buffalo got for Sam Reinhardt, I honestly looked at that and I'm like, how, what? How? How did you not get more for him? And I don't really know much about Devin Levy, so he may be better than we think, but Florida at least got... Sorry, I mean, Buffalo did get a conditional first. So it, the only issue with that first is it's top 10 protected. So I don't think Florida did too bad for Sam Reinhardt. 
Yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of a weird one because what they traded or what they got for Roostalainen, I I think you could have made a legit argument that's what you could have got for Reinhardt, right? Well, the thing is, is somehow, like, according to the Flyers GM, there were multiple offers, including a first plus for Ristolainen. So there's the market demand there. There may just not have been the demand for Reinhardt? Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. And remember right. that prices are determined by what people are willing to, not just by what people are willing to sell for, but what people are also willing to pay. It is true. Now, I, I know that there was another trade. Obviously, we talked earlier about the Oliver Ackman Larson dealt away from Arizona to the Canucks. Let's talk a little bit about that one because that one was kind of a bit of a surprise. I think Oliver Ackman Larson was linked to Vancouver for a while. Connor Garland, I, I, for what I can guess, I guess he didn't want to stick around in Arizona. I'm more surprised that they got rid of Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, and Louis Erickson. All of whom, and you correct me if I'm wrong, are they not in the final year of their contract, all three of them? Yes. So this this is very reminiscent of the Dion Phaneuf trade to the Senators, where the Senators offloaded a bunch of bad contracts and took on one longer, really bad contract, plus a sweetener. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a bit of a and... surprising pick, trade, to be honest with you. And like I said, all of Larson was linked to Vancouver, but... How much of this really was made after the fact that Alex Edler's agent came out and said he's not returning to Vancouver for next season? I don't know, but the thing is, Oliver ekman Larson has been on a slide recently, and he's on the wrong side of 30. And what's incredible is that Vancouver had to give up the Kings' ransom here because they also gave away the, ten- the ninth overall pick, which we'll talk about, this, a second in next year's draft and a seventh in 2023. Connor Garland isn't looks to be a very good player, but that that OEL contract is going to be bad for a long time. Yeah, and there was talk about how OEL's play really has declined since he was named captain in Arizona, and maybe when you get that pressure off of him in Vancouver, maybe he finds his game. And like you said. He definitely is on the wrong side of 30 in Arizona as being the captain. But you never know, right? Because he's going into an organization where you have Quinn Hughes, you have some really talented forwards up front that can produce. So you never know. Maybe Ackman Larson can find his find his way again. Obviously, his play is not going to be up to the way of his contract. But if he can find his game and be a very competent and productive player for Vancouver, man, go for it. It is tough because this year you also have Vancouver does have $21 million of cap space Luongo is still on cap which is actually kind of incredible but you still have to sign Elias Pettersson Connor Connor Garland has arbitration rights so they still have to sign him Uh, Quinn Hughes is uh, not eligible for offer sheets so that's a bit of a saving grace but you do have some big name players to sign so that cap space is, and on top of that, that's three more players. But Vancouver still needs one more defenseman, and I think three more, two more forwards after that to have a full roster. So that money is going to go pretty quick. Absolutely, absolutely. So I do wonder because at the same time, sure, being a captain is a big deal of a team, but you're moving from Arizona to Vancouver. And the Vancouver fan base is one that's already fed up and has already decided that Oliver, ne- Oliver Ekman Larson is Louis Erickson 2.0. So that's going to be tough. But this is also a team that spends $6 million on Tyler Byers. Yeah, I still to this day, that, that signing still does not make any sense to me. Oh, no. no. What will be interesting to see is do they bring back Travis Hamannick? Yeah, it'll be interesting. It will be interesting for sure, man. So, we did talk about all the big trades that happened in the last, I guess, week or so since we last talked. Oh, what about Seth Jones? Okay, let's talk about the Seth Jones. That's the one I forgot about. I phoned my buddy, who's a Chicago fan, 
first words out of my mouth was nine and a half million per. Are they out of their minds? Yeah, look, that's the crazy thing here because I like Seth Jones as a player. I think he's definitely one of those players, like I'm an analytics guy, but he's definitely one of those players that is better than his analytics look. Nine million is too rich for Seth Jones. He is a legitimate top-line defenseman. Don't get me wrong. And I think on a better team, he will play more like he did when he was 23, 24 than what he's currently playing at 26. Just because these Columbus teams haven't been very good. No. But $9 million. For eight years, too. That I'd give that money to like Dougie Hamilton, but not that length of time for Seth Jones. And when I say going to a better team... That better team is not Chicago. No, if this was Chicago of, say, five, six, seven years ago, absolutely. This would be perfect for Chicago. You get another big piece on the back end, but you're going to be rebuilding Chicago Blackhawks team that, you know, whose name has been in the news for all the wrong reasons. And it's like Chicago does have some nice pieces, like, they somehow kept, like, they kept Nikita Zadorov somehow. Uh, Connor Murphy is a stud. So, like, Calvin DeHaan is a good player. So is Adam Boquist. So, and that's who got starting... traded. Pardon? That's who, that's who... And that's who they traded, yeah. Yeah. So you're starting to see the defense form. And Duncan Keith is out the door. So you're starting to see the defense reform itself. And on the offense, you have, like, Alex DeCrincat, Kirby Doc. So you have some pieces, and Dylan Strom is a very good player for Chicago. So, like, Chicago's definitely closer to being rebuilt than other teams. But it's still, this isn't the trade I would have made, and ponying up 9.9.5 for him is not what I would have done. No, and if his game completely falls off a cliff... Have fun trying to move that contract. Because there's not going to be another expansion draft for for a team to take him. And what's kind of interesting is in this trade as well, Chicago slides down to the bottom of the draft table because uh, they Columbus swaps Tampa Bay's first for Chicago's first. So Chicago goes from 12th to 32nd. And Columbus gets a conditional first on top of that that is lottery protected. So Seth Jones has been paid the King's ransom. And I think this is a very good trade for Columbus. I think so. And you know what? Hey, like I said, if, if this really doesn't pan out for Chicago, then yeah, like I said, have fun trying to move that contract. Look at Buffalo trying to move Jeff Skinner. Yeah. Other than that, uh, some small trades that, your boy Tyler Pitlick got picked up by, by the Flames. And this is actually one of the things where Seattle being so inactive on the trade front is so weird. And they only got a fourth for Tyler Pitlick. Yeah. And I think the league learned a lesson to not deal with Seattle. And apparently Seattle was asking sky-high prices to deal with them. Yeah, that's what I was reading too. And you know what? And you're right. It how much do you think teams really did learn from the Vegas expansion draft? Because you're like, okay, yeah, we'll take this player if you don't take this player, but here's another guy who's a sweetener. Pretty much. And they were very smart not to do this. And I'm, it's actually good to see that teams learn. It is true. And you know what? And that's the nice thing about hockey is that hockey, teams definitely learn, but... Eventually. Uh, there are some stuff that never changes. Yeah. Okay, you know what? I think we... Wait, no, we got one more trade. One more trade. Voracek for Atkinson, one for one. Ballsy? Ballsy? Yep. If Voracek returns to form, Columbus wins. Otherwise, Ken Atkinson right now is the better player. 
It's true. And I was just kind of surprised when I read that because my first thought was like, Voracek back to Columbus, eh? Maybe the yeah. maybe the Blue Jackets are thinking that he'll like turn the clock back, you know, maybe a decade back when he was there. But then again, he wasn't a super amazing player in Columbus. He was a good, very good player. But it wasn't until he went to Philadelphia where he really found his footing in the NHL. Yeah, that was an ancient trade. Yeah, that was what twenty eleven. Yeah, because he traded. It was for Jeff Carter. That's what it was. Carter went to Columbus. Voracek went the other way. Yeah, because for some reason I always screw that trade up and the JVR for Luke Shen trade. Like those two always get like crossed in my mind because they happened like the same week. And I don't think the Flyers got the better end of either. Sorry, the Flyers got the better end of both one of the Voracek trade, but definitely not the. Although it's hard to argue they got the better end of the Carter trade because Carter went on to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, but then again, so did Mike Richards too. That's true. And they both ended up in a city full of cocaine. How about that? Yeah. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. Yeah. So, you know, I know a few minutes ago you you did mention that the Chicago Blackhawks were drafting at the bottom of the first round. And, and you know, that's the thing. We never, we hadn't really talked about the the stuff with the Blackhawks. We've mentioned it. I don't want to say kind of in passing, but we did touch on it a little bit. The only team, though, that could have topped their bullshit, and this is a team that, you know, they built a lot of goodwill with a lot of people with their surprise Stanley Cup playoff run last year. That's gone. So, you know, on, last, on our last episode, I did mention about the, the young draft draftee who renounced himself from the draft. He's saying, like, listen, he, I'm not mature enough to go to the draft, and I want a team to be proud of me proud to draft me and all this stuff because there was some there was this incident in over in Sweden when he was playing there where basically he took of I don't think it was a video I think it was a photo of uh, this sexual encounter with this female he posted he shared it with his teammates without her consent and he got caught yeah and there was a lot of teams and you know when I mentioned I said you know what that's that's fine, you know, and I mentioned last week, I said, listen, he owned up to it, he understood, like, hey, look, I made a mistake, not exactly a mistake when you when you purposely share it, but that's not the point. Well, you know, here's the thing. He renounced himself, he says, look, don't draft me, whatever you do, Montreal, what the fuck are you doing, man? It's tough. Because, like, I believe he got charged for it, right? He did, yeah. He, yeah. Had, he had to pay a fine, too. I think it was, like, in Canadian dollars, I believe it was almost, like, two grand or something. Okay. Because, like, at the end of the day, when, when you turn 18, your criminal record is sealed. And that's because, as a society, we believe that the crimes of youth are not the crimes of adulthood the tension between what he did and this societal expectation that we do provide for most people really comes into tension. And you can tell Montreal definitely erred on the other side. They're also hoping they get a good defenseman, which I guess is also doesn't help their image here. It's an ugly situation for sure. And I'm surprised that teams didn't like come back to him next year when some of the heat died down. Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of people were expecting, right? Was that, okay, he was going to be renounced from the draft. A team was not going to take him. I think the big thing for me was that, one, that the Montreal Canadiens took him, but he they took him in the first round. Mark Bergevin made that pick in front of everybody. And that obviously doesn't excuse what he did, and I know I read somebody on Twitter was trying to make the argument that this wouldn't be as big of a deal if he was, say, taking in, like, the second or the third round. No, it still would have been because, basically, you're re- you're still enforcing this that hockey has not changed. And even with the Hockey's for Everybody campaign that league is campaigning for, this just goes completely against that. Mm-hmm. And not only that, from what I was reading before we hit record, 
You know how in our expansion draft episode last time, I picked Anthony D'Angelo? D'Angelo, yeah. The Montreal Canadiens are talking to him now to come to town. Jesus Christ. Is... Does, does Montreal not have a public relations person to tell the team, maybe don't do this? Well, it's a weird thing, but it's like... And with D'Angelo, I don't, I don't think it's worth it, but if you think you can get a, a competitive edge by taking stigmatized players, that is a strategy. It's not one that looks pretty. But at the same time, it is kind of funny how... Uh, the perception of people depends on who they are. Like for a long time, and people would make jokes about uh, the allegations made against Kobe Bryant. If it was anyone else but Kobe, they would have been run out of on rail, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So it's like at the same time, it's. I'm not a big fan of mob justice. Like this kid has gone through the justice system. He was fined, and his record will be sealed. Whether you want to deal with the kid or not, his criminal record should not be part of that. Yeah, and honestly, I still maintain if a team if they waited a year, yeah, exactly, would have been fine. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because this, I'm not saying this would have been water under the bridge, but it wouldn't be in the public's consciousness currently. Well, also, he would have had time to kind of show that he's become a better person too yeah which apparently he hasn't because i think there was an article with the athletic where the the girl who was in the photo has come out and said that all she wanted was a sincere apology and all she got out of him was a text message that was like three paragraphs long wait you can send three paragraph long text messages yeah i didn't know that yeah, but, uh, I think on iPhone, I think he can. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's shitty, but... So, do you have any more news stories you want to talk about, Tim, before we segue into talking about the Sens draft class for 2021? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So, actually, Tim, I'm just looking right here at our runtime. Uh, we're just going to take a really quick break, and we will return, and we will talk about the Ottawa Senators 2021 draft class coming right back hey this is craig medallia from the wally method show you are listening to the third line plug sensecast all right we are back so tim before we go into talking about the ottawa senators draft picks individually let's talk about the draft class as a whole because two terms you're going to hear quite a bit when we talk about these players one is a reach and off the board so, overall, like, what did you think about this draft as a whole? Because and I said to you before we hit record, I said, you know what? There's a lot of these picks that you're just looking at them and you're like, uh, you didn't need to take that kid too high. You should have taken that a little bit lower. You could have traded down. But, you know what? I'm going to disagree with that. Okay. I like what the Ottawa Senators did here. And for a lot of the ones, from what we're hearing from Trent Mann, they could not have, they could not have traded down. If they had tr- traded down a couple spots, there's a chance that, especially for the number one pick, Tyler Boucher, sorry, for the number, the number person 10. they picked at number 10, Tyler Boucher, he probably wasn't going to be there at number 15. Yeah, and even, and I, I did read, I think Pierre Doran did a um, post-draft yeah, interview, and he even said, he says, you know what, that Tyler Boucher probably would have been taken in the mid-first round. So probably in that 12 to 15 range. And there were a lot of people who were very critical of that pick. And we'll talk about that when we get to that pick in general. But overall, I think for myself, I've grown to accept it. Because when you look at the draft picks that they went after, they definitely went for a lot of big bodies. But they also went for a position of need. They didn't go after the best player on the board, what the fans wanted. And that's kind of been the Sens mantra over the last couple of seasons where you look at the picks and you're like, oh, wouldn't that be great if we got, say, Alex Holtz or we've got Lucas Raymond or we got these kids and we got 
Tim Stutzla, and the fans were excited. The fans were excited to get Tim Stutzla. But you go over the last couple of drafts, and the fans are just like, why didn't you take this guy? This guy was so much better. And the picks the Sens have made have turned out to be fantastic. Oh, of course. And what's funny is the Sens misses in the first and second round have tended to be closer to the consensus. So, for instance... The Sens were considered to have reached on guys like Tyler Cleveland, Matt Sogar, and even Thomas, Sh- Thomas Shabbat and Shane Pinto, while they were closer to consensus with Shane Bowers and Johnny Tychonic. Bowers has not been working out in either the places he's bounced around, so, bounced around so far in his young career, and Johnny Tychonic has moved schools because he didn't really have a future at uh, University of North Dakota. So I think that the senators are exploiting something that they're able to get value that other people some people see but others don't and i think one of the things they're exploiting is the u.s national development team where they play less games than the whl ohlq and even some of the european leagues so the sens are identifying players that due to a small sample, aren't showing what they fully have. Yeah, it's kind of like what... I'm trying to remember the GM that Stevie Y had in Tampa Bay, where he he went out and found the Andre Palats, guys like that, who ended up winning back-to-back Stanley Cups in Tampa Bay, right? 100%. And that's why I'm, I'm definitely a lot more on board with uh, what Trent Mann, Pierre Dorian, and his team are doing, because... Uh, We've gotten a lot of value going off the board. Yeah, and apparently, I, I don't know if you read this, but apparently Trent Mann's son is eligible for the draft, I think either next year or 2023. This kid is massive from what I'm hearing. The kid is 6'5", 216 or whatever, and he's, what, 15, 16 years old? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, like, I don't know what Trent Mann's been feeding that kid, but... He's definitely not a boy among men. Mm-hmm. And I guess one thing that'll be interesting to watch over their careers will be like Jamie Drysdale or Marco Rossi versus Jake Sanderson. Because in college, Sanderson has been a beast. Yeah, and even even Jake Sanderson was kind of a pick last year where fans were kind of like, why didn't you go after Jamie Drysdale? And I even myself, like I said on the last year's episode, I said, you know... Drysdale would have fit the Sens perfectly because he fills a need the Sens needed, a right-shot defenseman. He had the talent, but obviously the Sens see something different in Jake Sanderson, right? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. And the other thing is, is I think the Sens are drafting for an identity, so their conception of best player available might be different than uh, Central Scoutings or The Athletic or Corey Potterman or Bob McKenzie, etc., because they're looking for offensive upside with a mean side. So you're getting guys like Ridley Creed. Absolutely. So, Tim, let's go and talk about the Ottawa Senators' draft picks individually. And we're starting off in the first round, going 10th overall from the U.S. National Team Development Program, right winger Tyler Boucher. So fans were really hoping to take Jasper Walstead at number 10, the Swedish goaltender. However, Ottawa went off the board a little bit to fill a need on right wing. And this was kind of a pick that a lot of fans were kind of like, what? Who is this kid? Definitely because you saw that Fabian Linsell and Matthew Coronado was still on the board. So Tyler Boucher, and you've talked about it, like the center going for an identity. He's a big body power forward at 6'1", 205. Really good skater, has the hands to finish. He is a bit of a defensive liability, but he's still young. He can grow into that a little bit. He he is projected to be a top six to top nine forward if he can reach his full potential. And the comparable that I found on him was Tom Wilson, which is not a bad thing to have if he plays for your team. Pretty much. And the other thing is, is if he toes the line better than Tom Wilson. It's true, because I don't know if you watched any of the clips. I think they're in some tournament right now, and Tyler Boucher is just dominating guys right now in that tournament. Like, it's insane. 
Yeah, and that's the hard thing with uh, especially the USHL because they only had five ga- five games this year, right? So it's not a very big sample size. So that Erie tournament is a big deal. And yeah, he's manhandling kids, and he's got the hands for finish. Yeah, well, it's funny. Even look at the Ontario Hockey League that didn't even play at all last season. Yeah, and some of those OHL teams, I think, are in that Erie tournament as well. So, honestly, I was kind of siding with the fans. I, it would have been cool to get a Jasper Wallstead. I understand why the Sens didn't go for another goalie, because if you look at the goalie prospects we have in the system, and obviously with Joey Decord going to Seattle, which sad, but it is what it is. So, honestly, I think I've kind of grown to accept the pick. And the more that I saw him in the clips I saw from this tournament, I was thinking, wow, like, people thought Brady Chuck's a pain in the ass to play against? Get a load of this kid when this kid comes running full speed into you. Yeah, and the nice thing is, is if he does kind of become that top six winger, that definitely fills in a spot for Ottawa. That'll be nice going forward. Absolutely, and you know, and you look at the right side right now, and that's definitely a big weakness for the Sens, when really all we have on the right wing is Drake Batherson, Connor Brown, Evgeny Dadunov, we don't know how much longer he's going to be sticking around, and Austin Watson. That's the top four right wingers on the team right now. Yeah. And to be fair, I think Batherson is at least a top six, if not a top liner. Connor Brown is really matured into a wonderful top six piece. Yeah, Connor Brown's a perfect second line right winger. So so even if you swap Brown and Boucher around, go two and three, then hey, the Sens are going to be laughing, man, because that's a really good pickup. Mm-hmm. 100%. So we're going to move on and talk about the next pick. Going in the second round, 39th overall, Zach Ostapchuk, a centerman from the Vancouver Giants of the Western Hockey League. So this was yet another reach pick for the Ottawa Senators. He was projected to be taken late fourth round. However, he has been quoted as saying he has about as high of potential as anybody. So obviously a lot of magic beans there. Uh, like Tyler Boucher, another big body par forward, 6'3", 198. He is known for his playmaking ability and puck control. Where he needs to improve, much like with Boucher, is in his defensive play. He Again, like Tyler Boucher, he's also projected to be a mid-six forward in the NHL. In about five seasons, and that really caught my eye because when you're taking a guy in the second round, you kind of want a guy that's maybe pushing to make the NHL a lot sooner. But if the second round is tough, though. It, it is tough. This but, is where you're getting to like a 33% chance of the player even making it. So about a third of uh, players taking the second round even play an NHL game. And the further back you go, the less likely that is, obviously. And uh, the interesting thing about Zach Ostachuk is his 2019-2020 season was mired by injury, but his 2021 season went a lot better with 16 points in 22 games. So the offensive upside is there, and uh, reading the scouting report, it sounds like the kid is very, very disciplined and uh, actively gyms by himself, which apparently is surprised, which can be quite surprising for some of the younger picks. That what he works out by himself? That he's like a fitness nut at his age. Oh, okay. Okay, I wasn't really sure on that. I think for me, this is a pick that. Kind of a Logan Brown kind of pick. Big body. Seemed like he can finish. And you know what? Hey, if he's a fitness nut and he can stay healthy and he's got a great work ethic to him, I welcome him, man. Yeah. So, do you have any more comments before we head off into the next pick, Tim? No, I do. I don't think I have anything to say. Uh, the next guy is uh, another one that was definitely pegged as a reach. Staying in the second round, going 49th overall, Ben Roger, a defenseman from the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League. Now, you just mentioned that, and I have that in my notes as well. This is yet another guy who was projected to be taken later than he was. He was actually supposed to be 
projected to be taken 74th overall by Central Scouting. The scouting report on him, you know, big mobile defenseman, 6'4", 200 pounds, can use the size to his advantage. The one thing that, again, much like we were talking about with Ostapchuk, is that his game is often has been described as being raw. And one of the things in the scouting report that I read was that his shots were often getting blocked, which led to turnovers. With the pick, though, it fills the need at for right-handed defensemen for the Senators. And we, like you said, we don't really have any. We have Zub, Zaitsev. Uh, is I don't think is the uh, JG Bernard Ocker. I don't know if Bernard Ocker's a right shot. Off top of my head, I can't remember. So we, he is. is he? Okay, yeah, we really don't, we just don't have a ton. And yes, while Erica Branson's great on the right side, he's a left shot defenseman. So I kind of get where the Sens are going with this pick. He's projected to be a third pairing defenseman at the NHL level who can play on the penalty kill. Yeah, and it's it's a nice little ad. It's another guy who uh, was really able to take, take advantage of that Erie tournament where it appeared that he impressed the center scouting there. Uh, he also added 35 pounds between the beginning of the pandemic and the end of the pandemic. Yeah, that's that's insane, by the way. I understand oh, yeah. that during the pandemic, a lot of people put on weight, but you're not putting on 35 pounds of muscle. Yeah, Trent Mann says, big shot, mobile right D, ton of upside, high-end athleticism. So he's big and can move. So he's like Thomas Shabbat. Honestly, if he develops and makes the NHL, good on him, man, because that's what we're desperate right now for. Right, Chuck? Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of the Tyler Cleveland pick. And the nice thing for this one is Pierre Dorian was able to draft trade down for this one. So the reach feels a little, like, even if you can call it a reach, you got something by going down a few spots. Because Ottawa traded the 42nd for the 49th. And managed to get an extra fifth out of it. Hey, you can't you can't say that Dorian didn't get some value for that pick at least? No, so uh, yeah, I I like this pick, especially if they think that the kid is mobile, beefy, and has a good shot. May, if he has the hockey IQ to start to be able to learn not to get all his shots blocked, then uh, there's definitely something there. Going in the third round, 74th overall, Oliver Johansson, a left winger from Timra IK of the Swedish Hockey League. Decent-sized winger who played 15 games last season with three different Timra IK teams. This guy's a depth pickup at best. Like a lot of picks like we, when we did our draft class episode last year, there wasn't a ton of information on the kids that were picked. And this is yet another guy that not a ton of information... I read one of the articles from Silver 7, and they didn't have any information on him, so that's all right, I guess. Yeah, this is another thing. Like we're, we're getting into the third round here, and this is where most rankings go out the window anyway, so if a player's not ranked by this point, oh well. And, yeah, he's a young guy. He's still 17 so if they see someone who has good speed and good skill this is definitely one that they can work on mm-hmm. it's, it's like that goalie that we picked up Levi Manalanian or, from the, the kid yeah. from Finland remember and he's showing remember he's when showing we, well yeah exactly when we dropped him last year when you were not looking at you're like who's this kid and the fact that he's even coming to North America at all is uh really good value for that pick for sure and that's a that's now getting to be a bit of a wild card with some europeans coming over is because they have the option of playing in the khl too right but even these european like the swedish leagues the finn leagues the german leagues are really good like they're getting really good now so these guys have the option they're obviously not going to make nhl money playing in this if they play in the khl maybe it's a little bit different but in those leagues, if you can play at home and you don't have to travel crazy distances and you might potentially get a shot, maybe in the bottom six, if that, then it's not worth the time or the effort to even come over at that point. For sure. 
We're moving on to the fourth round. Going 123rd overall, Carson Latmier, a right wing from the Edmonton Oil Kings of the WHL. Another decent-sized right winger who is a solid two-way player. Only played 22 games last season for the Edmonton Oil Kings, recording five goals, 11 assists, or 16 points. Hopefully will play a full season next year as he was riddled with injuries last year. Okay. I'm all right with the pick. I, I don't know much about this kid, so I can't really talk about it. But again, another right winger adding to the depth that we need. So good on. Yeah, I'm fine with it. And again, this is one another one of those picks that surprisingly, this guy was rated. Some scouts did have this guy in the top 100. So Ottawa did get some quote unquote draft value for this guy. We'll see what if that actually matters. Absolutely. And now we come to the end of the Ottawa Senators 2021 draft class going in the seventh round, 202nd overall, Chandler Romeo, a defenseman from the Brantford Bandits of the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League. Okay. So you've got to realize I have next to no notes on this kid. This is the only note I have on him. I could see this kid rocking a greasy mustache, gaudy gold chain, and a sequin shirt with a name like that. To be fair, we're talking about seventh round draft picks. Yep. I like, don't know what you want me to tell you. He, he, sounds like a, not, he sounds like an adult film star. That's what he sounds like with a name like that. Oh, come on. Be nice. I am being nice, but seriously, Chandler Romeo? Okay, fine. But then again, it's like Ottawa. We've gotten some value from our seventh picks over the in the past. Like, uh, no wait, uh, Dzingel was a sixth. No, Dzingel was a seventh. Oh, he was a seventh. Well, like some of our late, like our late guys. So who knows? Maybe this guy will come up. But uh, and even Joey Dak at one ninety nine. Yeah, and he definitely fits the mold of what the Senators are going for. 6'5", 205", seems like he could be a shutdown defenseman. The one note I do have on this kid, and it has nothing to do with the player itself. So when I was putting together my notes for this episode, I tightened Chandler Romeo on Google. I found out that Chandler Romeo is also an artist in Denver, Colorado. A performance artist? Yes. And I also found... That this Chandler Romeo, the artist from Denver, right on the corner of the same street, is a Popeye's chicken. This is the facts that people are listening to Third Life Plug for. Where mm. to find Popeye's and Chandler Romeo, artist, in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, and Chelsea just gave me the thumbs up for that, so I appreciate her, <laughs> her seal of approval. I've actually never been to Popeye's. I've never been to Popeye's chicken. Is there a Popeye's on the island? Nope, not at all. Actually, are there any in Vancouver? I don't know if there are any in Vancouver either. I don't know. Is, there must be some in Calgary. There must oh, be. Oh, there are, there are multiple. I don't think I've come completely out west yet, so... If anybody's no, ever tried out Popeye's Chicken, please drop me a link, man. Just tell me how it is, because... Oh, it's good. We, don't, we also don't have Chick-fil-A in BC either, as far as I know. I think there's only two Chick-fil-A in Canada. Uh, one in Toronto and one in the Calgary airport and Chick-fil-A is good but Chelsea can't eat it because they use peanut oil really? it hmm. I mean I've had it it's good I've heard it's good you know what's funny the- can we sorry can we quickly talk about chicken because I think for myself I like fried chicken but I find that I don't overly crave it it's just like I'll eat it if it's there but for myself if I'm going for chicken I'm either going for chicken tenders, boneless chicken, or a chicken sandwich. I don't know. Maybe it's because there's a bone in it. Maybe that's what I don't care about. I like chicken wings. Like, even at work last week, they did a chicken wing challenge. They had some really good ones. Actually, that's the funny thing, because I think uh, most, like, I do really like fried chicken, but a good chicken sandwich is fantastic. Like, the Chick-fil-A sandwich is so Chick-fil-A is the sandwich and it's really good mm-hmm. I haven't had Popeye's 
competitor sandwich yet. I know Chelsea said that the sandwich that Popeyes had before they made their Chick-fil-A knockoff sandwich was too much bread. Yeah, that's that's kind of tough when you it, it's kind of like burgers themselves. It's like if you have a burger that the meat to bun ratio is off, you can tell. You know what's a perfect example of that is a Big Mac. I personally am not crazy about Big Macs because there's too much bread. However, if I go to Wendy's and I get myself a Baconator, chef's kiss. It's the basic ingredients that you need in a burger. Beef, cheese, and bacon. Well, it's funny. uh, Last, sorry, not last night, on Friday, uh, a bunch of my buddies and I, after playing card games, decided we wanted to go for Wendy's, right? Yep. And... The dining room's closed, but the drive throughs open, and uh, we left the car at home. So we try- We actually tried to get them to get them to open the drive through and uh, just serve us there. But uh, cars just kept coming. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do this. But after about, I want to say 15 minutes of trying, we are like, no, we should go to McDonald's. Because we had another buddy who went somewhere else really? for food. And just like, wait we probably shouldn't just leave him standing. So we went, walked over to the McDonald's, got our food, met him back, and he doesn't have food. We're like, God, this place is taking forever. He's like, no, I got hungry. I already ate. Yep. It's funny. <laughs> I actually went to McDonald's yesterday because I went and got my second COVID shot. So I was like, ah, oh, okay, I kind of need something to eat right now. I was a little lightheaded. So I went to, <coughs> went to McDonald's. And I got myself a quarter pounder BLT. I should have got the double. I was going to go to Wendy's and get a bacon eater, but legit, it's like Sunday afternoon and the line was just wrapped around the building. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, we were at a McDonald's at like 11 p.m. Yo, have you tried their new habanero sauce for the Nuggies? No. Mm, good stuff. Really? Yeah, and then uh, we got the special Space Jam flavored uh, McFlurry, which I think is just their usual uh, Smarties McFlurry, but they put a bit of cookie in it. Ooh, excuse me. It does. It comes with a pic, like a little cup with a picture of LeBron on it. Yeah, I still haven't seen the new Space Jam. I have heard people are complaining that it makes dated jokes, so. It's just like the old Space Jam. Yeah, but I like the old Space Jam. Yeah, so it's like, what do you expect to go to the new Space Jam? Although, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast too, after watching The Last Dance, I realized what a freaking lie Space Jam ended up turning. Because there was no way Michael Jordan was treating the Looney Tunes that well as his teammates. Oh yeah, he'd probably be losing his shit at them. I know. It's just like... Come on, guys. Let's just go out and have fun. It's like, no, that's not Michael. That's not MJ. We all watched The Last Dance. We all found out what bullshit that was. It'd be, get the fuck out of the way, Bugs. This is my team. Yeah, Bugs would, like, miss a three, and he's like, you're shit. You're fucking shit, Bugs. <laughs> he'd be screaming at Daffy, get back on D, Daffy. Get back on D. They might have actually been better in the first, first and second quarter if you've been doing that. It's true. I also found that Marvin the Martian, there's a lot of calls that he did not call against the Toon, not Toon Squad, um, the, the Monstars. Monstars, yeah, thank you. I was just like, what was the, what was the other team in Space GM, yeah? Isn't that like a pretty common remark that Marvin the Martian is not a good, re- he's a biased referee? Terrible. He was a terrible referee in Space Jam. Yeah, like, didn't even get three in the key. But also, why did none of... And this is one of the big plot holes I found in the movie. You know the end of the movie? I'm not going to say spoilers. The thing's 25 years old. You know the end of the movie when Michael like reaches his arm out and makes that final bucket? Why didn't any of the Looney Tunes tell him that he could do that? Because he didn't believe until the end. And you could only do that when you truly believe, Tay. True. I also kind of find... I kind of find it hard to believe that the guy who ran the Monstars didn't know who Michael Jordan was. I understand it's like in a tune world, but for me, this is 1996. Michael Jordan's probably the most famous person on the planet at that point. 
or one of the most famous people. Yeah, pretty much. Although I guess, do aliens care? Well, look, he's looking for for new attractions for right. his theme park, right? Although, and I think Secret Base, they did a whole episode on uh, Rewind about Space Jam, that game. And you later find out that the Monstars team was not drafted super well. They could have drafted Gary Payton. They could have drafted Sean Kemp. They could have drafted these... Or, not drafted, stolen their talents. Sorry, I tend to think of sport in real-life sports. So... Well, it's like they were going for the like the famous guys. Like they were taking your Scotty Pippins, your Isaiah Thomas. They they didn't. You they know who didn't. they took? They took Sean Bradley, who was like the purple one. He was like the really really tall one. Yeah. Um. Did they take Barkley? They did take Barkley, Patrick Ewing. Uh, who else did they take? In that? There was a couple of other guys. They took the really really short guy too. Not uh, Chandler Biggums. Oh. Bubsy? Bumsy? I don't know. I can't remember. Why did I think they took Isaiah Thomas? Well, I think Isaiah was retired by that point. Right. Although, could you imagine Michael Jordan playing against an alien version of Isaiah Thomas? That'd be really fun. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. So, Tim, they I... also stole Larry Johnson. Larry, Larry Johnson, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, he played for the Charlotte Hornets. Which, by the way, to me, I I love that old logo, the like the blue and purple hornet with the basketball. Good stuff. There's something so unironically '90s about that, and I love it. There's a well. Remember, that's also when we got the goddamn purple raptor. Yeah, we got the Barney the dinosaur. At at least the grizzly for Vancouver. Yeah, I get it. It wasn't exactly the most threatening-looking logo you've ever seen, but the jerseys were nice. They were. And they used the Haida art, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and it's given hipsters something to wear ever since. It's true. Were the Grizzlies even around for that long? Five years. Oh, wow, that's nothing. Right? Yeah, 95 to 01. Jesus Christ. I know. And it's funny, they did one of their training camps on the island, too. Years ago, I remember that. And, uh, I think they did, what did they do it? A Squimalt, I think. You know what's incredible? What? They managed to go through five head coaches in the same in their period of time. You know what's really funny? Go back and read the the stuff about the '95 and '96 draft because the Grizzlies and the Raptors got completely screwed in that, where you they could not take guys in like the top five. Really? That's how. The Grizzlies ended up with Bryant Reeves. That's how they ended up with uh, Sharif Abdul-Rahim. Because none of them were in the top five. Okay, right. Can you imagine if, like, the Grizzlies had gotten, like, a Kobe... They they passed on Steve Nash. That's even the big... Who's from Victoria. That's actually incredible. You know you what? They'd go for the whole but kid. also, think of it this way. Had the Grizzlies in Vancouver lasted a couple more seasons, if they had landed the number one pick, they would have gotten LeBron. In 2003. Remember, imagine that LeBron James comes to Vancouver and plays with the Grizzlies. I still find it incredible that the only thing that... Well, so many teams got killed by the weak dollar, but I'm surprised that Vancouver couldn't support an NBA team because I think it was still a city of 2 million people at that point. Yeah, but that's another instance of shitty ownership too, right? Yeah. It's kind of incredible that all of the... Like the Pacific Northwest team, sorry, two of the three Pacific Northwest teams have bolted. The only one that remains is Portland. Yeah. So Tim, I don't have any more comments that we can make about the Auto Center's 2021 draft class. If you just want to head off into the close for another to be episode, fair, we've spent the last ten minutes talking about Space Jam and Chicken. And you know what? There's no regrets here for that. Fair enough. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91 Honey Badger and at Great White Gipster, GR8WYTE Gipster. 
If you want to choose an email to talk about the Sens Draft Class, Chicken, or Space Jam, shoot us an email. Thirdhandplaysenscast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jackson. Go Sens, guys. Woo.